Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, it feels like we're back on repeat. It's another week, another week of injuries, another week of mediocrity. Who are the Philadelphia Flyers? Let's try and figure it out right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Oh, ooh, I am overmodulated. I apologize. It is episode 93 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here as always. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Twitter, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Across from me, a guy who's been a Flyers fan for uh, forever. He doesn't need a year on it. You don't need to put a year on it. Scott, how's it going, brother? Good. I would say 1995. I just said we don't need a year. Well, for that, I was a Mighty Ducks fan. (laughs) I was a because fan of- you. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a oh, minute! Yeah. But this is a revelation that uh-huh. I've never heard. Uh-huh. You were you saw D one or D two, and you said I'm a Mighty Ducks fan. I you saw- bought into Disney corporate shilling to a T. I and did. you said, I'm going to love the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I did when I was in about <laughs> second or third grade. And then I realized that you saw like one game a year. So it wasn't worth it. They weren't yep. good. And then there's a local team that had cooler colors and, you know, and uh, cooler colors, uh, and, uh, better history. Eric Lindros the time. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a revelation. Um, I never knew that about you. Yeah, actually, that's it, it's when I'm. Yeah, I mean, before I really understood hockey, you just know, like, oh, wow, the Mighty yeah. Ducks are cool. Disney, you know who they are. And you like, know what? It was really when they started blowing up with it. It was a really good thing yep. that got my attention, at least. So, And you know what? By the way, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks jerseys, their mm-hmm. sweaters, one of the best in the NHL when, 100%. They, when they get to play, when the Ducks uh, bring break out those throwbacks. I think they started bringing them back, I think, two years last year or something like that. Yeah, they well, they, last year with the reverse retro, they did that. But they did it oh, quite a true. few times yeah. before with that old, that old Ducks logo. I'll say this, though. There is only one jersey in the league that's better than that one, and it's not even close. I want you to take a guess. That you think is better than the Ducks one. Uh, is it the... If it's the Vancouver Canucks throwback, I'm quitting the podcast right now. No, 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 okay. no. You're talking about the orange and the yeah, yellow like the little No, with the skate on yeah. it? No, yeah. no, no, yeah. absolutely not. That okay. jersey is god-awful. I'd rather go with the one where they had the V, yes. the V logo. It's ugly as sin, but it's cool. I'd say the coolest jersey besides the original Anaheim Mighty Ducks one is the uh, Arizona Coyotes Kachina jersey. Oh, the, yes. And Kachina thank- jersey is just outstanding. Yes. And thankfully, they have consistently brought those. Are they consistently back? I yeah, that's their know. uniform. Yeah, okay, now. good. That's their uniform. And it's so. good because, like, that's one where they went to the sand with the coyote head. Like, it's just, it was, it was boring. Like, you yeah. know, and it's like, 
It is yeah. nothing there. The Kachina jersey is just a work of art in its own, and just it pays more homage to you know really like the um, the Southwest and as far as like Arizona and how they have their whole like um, it just it fits their I guess they say their culture out there. It just really fits uh, everything with Southwest and uh, you know Native American designs and stuff like that. I, I love it. That's the best jersey I've probably ever seen. It's not even close. Yeah, I don't I don't I certainly don't disagree. It's one of the best ones. Um, speaking of culture and mediocrity and all this other stuff, what are the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, you literally had mediocrity this point this week. Uh, you had a three game homestand, six points on the table and you come away with three. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought the Calgary game was a nice win. Uh, you scrapped against the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Drew scored one of the best goals of his uh, of this young season. And it's like, then you lay an egg against, against Boston and you don't really know what to make of it because, well, you do know what to make of it. They're a mediocre team right now. Their power play is crap. They, they are fighting injuries again. Patrick Brown on the fourth line is out, but the big name obviously again is Kevin Hayes is out and you we, he's now considered week to week. So the two that we were anticipating in coming back in Ryan Ellis and Kevin Hayes have re-injured, their their bodies again uh and it's a mystery of what this team is and this season doesn't get any easier uh to close out this week you have again tampa you have florida you have carolina and the devils who are a decent team this year starting this off right uh starting this season um and it's like what do you do here so scott what were your early thoughts or quick reaction thoughts to this uh to this past week of the flyers I'm not too indifferent from you as far as I thought the Calgary one was really good. I thought the goaltending in that game was excellent. Jacob Marstrom, look, he's there's a reason he's already got a ton of shutouts on the year. You could see why. Just uses that complete frame, had stopped a couple of goals there. That could have been easily like a like a four to you know, like a four goal, like I three, four goals by the Flyers there in that game if it weren't for Markstrom. Yep. Um, but you you clawed your way to a win in that one, which is really solid. Uh Tampa. You jumped up to a two nothing lead, the worst lead in hockey, and you just listen. They they didn't win the cup last year for the reason that team had been starting off slow. They've been hot as of late. They kind of got on their heels in the first. Not really something they're prone to doing lately, and they kind of found their game and came back. And you know, I'd say after that shootout, I just I, I didn't like the way the shootout ended, and then that followed through in the next game, the Boston. I don't really like the way they played the game. I liked how they battled back. Um, you know, yeah, because you actually said something interesting about the shootout with Vasilevsky. Like they went low side, they went on his pads. Oh, they, just they didn't make him work for for the for these for these uh, saves. And Couturier's just seemed to be the it laziest. Was lazy. It yeah, was, it was so just very lazy. very lazy. It, I like I actually yeah I agree. Like what you said going into Boston, it just felt laziness. Like it, they started to claw back, but then they immediately give up the quick quick goal against Boston right after they got it within one. And that was it. So yeah, the Vasilevsky, what was, what, what did the flyer, what did the flyers need to do if, if we're talking next time on the, the next episode, reacting to the in Florida game and they happen to just be uh, in another shootout, what do they need to do to get Vasilevsky moving? Well, hopefully they assuming don't he's playing because we might I, have Brian Elliott. Well, here's the problem with the flyers in the shootout. I just feel like they have no confidence whatsoever in trying to make a move there. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, with Kateria, I don't know what he was doing. He pulled it out far side, and he just got a shot low trying to fool him. Like, you're not going to – he was in perfect position. You're not going to fool him. It was literally just like – that's like a, a warm-up shot for me in a, in a game. Like, that's how what kind of shot it was. I, I don't know what was going through his mind. I don't think that 
maybe by the time he got to the net that he didn't have enough space to do what he wanted to do, but he just flicked it on his pad and it was easier than a routine save for Vasilevsky. So um, listen, you got to get him moving. First of all, you got to get him moving laterally. I mean, that's how you, that's how Giroux beat him. Obviously he has, you know, he commits to one side, you get him to bite on yeah. one thing. He can't it's recover not, fast like, enough. Vasilevsky is the greatest goal. To, one of the best goalies in, in the NHL today, like right now, mm-hmm. but that he's not, he's not, not super invincible. Yeah, yeah. He's not invincible. He's not impossible. It's, it sounds like such a basic thing and it seems like the flyers just, and by the way, this is a thing that the flyers have struggled with in, since the Laviolette years, it's a lockout. This is the, lockout. the worst team like, shootout since the lockout. Yeah. It just seems like they don't prioritize it. And you want to like try and convince yourself like, yeah, shootouts would be nice. You already bag a point. You can't, you try and get the other one, but you, you're hit or miss, but then you hope that you make the playoffs. And obviously the shootouts never going to be in the playoffs. So I feel like they just have this mindset of it's important. It's not important, and that's what we have to accept. Uh, it's like the Eagles and linebackers. They're not important. We can we, we realize we don't need them, and you try and convince yourself, yeah, that's a good mindset when it's not. I mean, of, of the Eagles, I would say TJ Edwards is a pretty good linebacker. Well, yeah, Singleton's yeah. not, but I would say I digress. I, I will, it's not that that's not important, because it is. I mean, think about it this way. You're, you, you lost a point. Like you lost a point yeah. in a really, really tight division. So now instead of being one point more ahead in the standings and having uh having 20 points and only being five points behind the Rangers, you're now six points behind the Rangers. At the end of the season, those kind of games count because guess what? If you drop two shootout games, you're behind a full win in the standings. You're already behind. So that's the problem with the shootout with the Flyers is that they leave points on the table. Now they're tied with New Jersey four with 19 points they have the same exact record the key is is that the flyers could have one more point there in the standings and and have solidified fourth place but they don't have so coming down the pike towards the end of the season the regulation wins do matter regulation or overtime wins do matter over the shootout wins but at the end of the day it points first so it doesn't matter if you have 17 regulation regulation or overtime wins in general if the devil's 18 you know what I mean? And you're tied in points. Guess what? That's 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 the kicker. So um, points still matter at the end of the day. You could have a better record at some point, but if you have less points, that's key. You can't drop yeah. one or two points it on felt, the table on a weekly basis, and I feel like that's what they do with the shootout. Yeah, it felt like they had this steep, not a steep, but a steady decline over these last three games. Calgary, they came out hot, they, and then they got the nice win. Uh, in overtime and with Cam Atkinson. And by the way, Kevin Hayes scored before he obviously re-injured whatever was going on. Had a nice tribute to his, for his brother, Jimmy. The team, this is how value, I saw this stat, I believe it was Jordan Hall of NBC Sports, had this stat since Kevin Hayes has joined the Flyers. When he scores a goal, any goal, the team is 31-3-2 and two on the season or in, in Kevin Hayes' uh, career as a Philadelphia Flyer. That's, That's nothing to sneeze at. That is a significant piece that you are now missing for another extended period of time in Kevin Hayes. And yeah, we'll talk about like what the, they will likely do. You might see Morgan Frost come up and what that might mean, but that is not going to be enough to replace a guy, especially a good second line uh, center that Kevin Hayes is. So, Back to my point, like it it just seemed like it was this net steady decline, honestly, that happened after that first period against Tampa because you had the two nothing lead and then it was wiped off the earth. 
and then you eventually lost in the shootout and then boston was just a was just a uh an s show like that's really what it was it just seemed like the team was not ready to play claude Giroux is the only guy that's out and coming in consistently it's why he's leading the team now in goals assists and obviously now points it by by association it's just like and it's nice that Claude Giroux is is making it tough for this team in the front office to say what do we do with him uh, in this upcoming season off season because he is a free agent and he's playing lights out. The bad thing I see is there's no one else contributing. No the therapy that we need to see that we had high expectations for is not contributing. I think he has seven points on the year. Yeah. Uh, and no, that's four. not going to be enough. No, T.A. is honestly slumping a little bit. He's had big goals, big moments, but nothing consistent. And, uh, and that goes the same with JVR, who seems to just be settled into this, I don't know, 10th forward, but playing a second line, third line. Like JVR is a very is an enigma at this point to me. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, thoughts are specifically on JVR, but I mean, it's nice that we're saying that Claude Giroux is leading this team in points of goals and assists, but at the same time, it's not a good thing because he's older and he could go into a slump at any minute. He's still their best player. Now, look here, here, here's a couple of things. Faraby, he's not doing much on the score sheet. He's been quiet lately, but mm-hmm. I mean, Justin Braun has more points than Joel Faraby at this point. It's crazy. That's that, just, that Justin, right there is that's the problem. <laughs> That's, Justin, a, that's a problem. And Justin Braun's been one of their best defensemen this year. So Justin Braun's got eight points. Joel yeah, Faraby's no, got seven. That's, no, that's a problem. I mean, it's no slight on Justin Braun. Justin Braun is no. a solid defensive player. That's why, as I think he's also one of the top plus minus guys on the team as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Surprisingly not, actually. It's just, it's just like <laughs> we're saying the same stuff we were issuing last year all of a sudden after we were so confident two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I, it's because of the goaltending and we'll get to what Scott Hartnell said over this, over the course of uh, the last couple of weeks. And when he was on NHL network earlier today, but like, I don't know what to make of this team anymore. And it's a problem. It's weird to say that it's a problem. Potentially. I want to clarify with that. Potentially that only Claude Giroux seems to be playing night in and night out. He's Listen, almost at a point of game. I disagree. And you have to look a little deeper than just points. They're not, they're not, not scoring enough right now. And that's really the glaring problem is that their goaltending yeah. is, is, is really helping them in They're They're minus one goal differential, which tells you that offensively, they're not doing enough. Their power play isn't clicking offensively. They're not being creative enough. JVR is a habitual slow starter. I'm not surprised he's off to a slow start so far this year. He'll pick it up at some point during the year. Faraby's a concern offensively. Defensively, no, you'll be happy to know he's a plus seven. So that tells you he's yeah, doing pretty okay. well yeah. on the defensive side of the puck. I'd say Justin Braunweiss, just a plus three, has been overall the, probably their best defenseman I've had right next to Ivan Provorov. But another good surprise has been Travis Sanheim. He's also plus seven. Overall, while they are not scoring well right now, they have made a good commitment to defense to keep them in it until they figure this whole thing out. Who do you think the leading plus minus player is in this team? Uh, I and I saw this too because I was looking up Drew's stats and I, I'm all of a sudden blanking. It's it's not Braun. Braun is up there. It no. might be Braun's a plus three. It might be Cam Atkinson. It is. He's a plus eleven. Yeah. So it tells me he's playing a great two way game right now. He's now he's got ten points and he's plus eleven, which tells me he's a big driver of their offense. 
But that's the key right now. And we knew that because of the fast start he had. Right. He was almost at a goal a game. He was. And he's cooled off quite a bit, but he's still responsible in his own end, which right now you kind of need that. Like you're in kind of the doldrums right now. The team doesn't have. Well, let's let's not take away the fact that they get Kevin Hayes back and they lose him right away. Let's get the fact that they got Ryan Ellis back for a game and then they lose him right away. So they have major effects on their offense and what they want to do. They, they didn't assemble the team without those two players thinking they go in and play well. Like you can't blame that. Like Kevin Hayes not having him against Boston probably hurt them a little bit, but at the same time, that Boston game was one that frankly just pissed me off because that's a game you got to win. Like that is a game where Boston, yes, they're not playing great right now. They're fifth in their division. They, you know, they're, they're nine and six. They're not the same Boston as of old. They're missing a couple of things. That's a winnable game. It's a winnable and, game. And not just, I think Boston was coming off like a three or four game uh, rest period it was between games. Yeah, they stents. had a couple of days off. They, they had, had a couple of days, days off. off so you would hope by association, they would have had some rust on their skates. They would have had to knock some rust off. And, and the didn't. Flyers who were fresh uh, coming off the Tampa shootout loss would have come out firing and that the exact opposite happened. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. The second periods are killing them. They, I don't know what it is about the long change for this team, but they just are not playing well in the second period enough. Well, offensively, they get pinned down well, too much. It's a problem. You've you've said it and you hinted at it in our pre-show meeting. I mean, is it coaching? Are we are we ready to start saying again? I feel like we talked about it last season too. Are we ready to say again that AV needs to be on the hot seat? I think it's a little premature, but then you got to look at Michelle Tarion. You got to look at Mike. Yo, like maybe you got to make a change there, but I don't think it's also appropriate to change a player. What? 19 games in 15 games in whatever it is. I don't, I will say this. I don't think it's the right time to make a change. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not dropping games left and right. They're playing 500 hockey right now. They win one. They lose one. They win. They lose. They win. They lose. They win. They lose. They win. And by the way, and that's been their last seven games. And speaking of that, and speaking of that, I mean, what is impressive up until that Boston loss, they had not lost back-to-back games this season. They were 6-0 and going into Boston. Now they're obviously 6-1-0, and so it's not – they're a good bounce well, regulation. Back. They haven't lost one in regulation. Oh, I'm sorry, 6-0-1, 6-0-1. Yeah, they haven't lost in regulation with that, back-to-back. So, so it's like – I don't know. They're, they're not playing terribly. They're not playing well. Like that's the thing yeah. is like they're not playing well offensively, but they're playing pretty well defense. They're, they're playing very well defensively overall. I mean, Rasmus Mistralainen has kind of straightened himself out after he's gotten the flow, but he's turned out to be a really good second pairing defenseman. Travis Sanheim looks like a different player, but the key is is that when you have Justin Braun and Ivan Prorob as your top defenseman because Ryan Ellis is still out, yeah. that affects your entire lineup. You can't keep putting in Nate Sealer in and out every single night. He's not that type of player. Well, so then would you? That, would, that doesn't it, help your offense. It doesn't help your offense. And would you now, if you're Chuck Fletcher, in addition to maybe bringing up Morgan Frost to try and jolt this offense, which you never know, do you consider bringing Cam York? Because Cam York, no. I, I. I think Chuck Fletcher has made a decision on what he thinks of Cam York at this current moment with the offseason moves. And I think that's what he sees. He wants him to develop more in in the AHL. And I don't think he's playing particularly well right now yeah. in the AHL, if I'm not mistaken. So Can't rush him. Can't rush I think him you're kind of stuck with Sealer. You have to be. You mean he's the only one who can produce at this level. He's your seventh defensive for a reason. That's why you pick these guys up because you need them to be their depth guys. 
if you have like Ryan Ellis, who's going to be out for an extended period of time. Cam York, I think you bring him up, you're not going to get better than Nate Sealer because you might have a little bit more advantage offensively, but defensively he's going to make a lot more mistakes because he's yeah. not that season. And yet. let's be honest, I don't think we were anticipating to see Cam York last season, but we saw him because of the disaster that the season turned into. And you kind of went right. into that mode of let's see what we have in the system, in the pipeline, and figure it out from there. And you saw what happened. Chuck Fletcher said, this isn't good enough. I have to make another move. 100% agree with you. And that's exactly what it is. Like, you know, that he's not ready. He's not ready. And this is what I always give Chuck Fletcher a little bit of credit for is that people wanted to push Hextel out the door for not making the move to get this team into contention. Mm-hmm. Chuck Fletcher is doing the same thing in a sense where he's not rushing the younger guys to be up there just because they need a body up there. So if he's not ready, he's not ready. You don't bring him up because he's not ready. I mean, Morgan Frost, he had his problems. Morgan Frost has kind of worked those problems out quite a bit, even from last week to this week. He's kind of figuring things out and getting better. If you think back a decade ago, well, really 2008, 2009, Claude Drew had the same thing. So Claude Giroux took a little while for him to get together. and He was, should have made the team out of camp. He didn't. He had to go back to the AHL. Injuries called him to come up. And then when he came, got called up, he stuck with the team the rest of the way. Changed his number from 56 to 28. And then there you go. He's been a flyer ever since. I don't think that Morgan Frost will have the same thing as far as coming up permanently, but if you get him a taste, it might give this team a little bit of spark offensively, and I think they're missing that right now, especially with Hayes out. They really need especially something here to out. push that pace forward, especially not he's week to week. Like, shut him down. Let him get healthy. Same with Ellis. Shut him down. Let him get healthy. Yep. You know, I, that's important I, for this team to be ready for more playoff when their games really matter. Not that they don't matter now, but when you get into, like, game 41, 42, and teams start playing more of a lockdown – playoff style hockey when you get towards the latter stage of the season when the points are critical mm-hmm. um that's when you're going to need those guys so yeah you may have left two points on the table this week it should have nabbed five out of six but as long as it doesn't happen every week this week it might but as long as it doesn't happen game in and game out where you're dropping a point here or there you're going to be able to keep enough pace to really help until these guys get healthy and push you over the edge yeah i just i i look at this like particularly this offense And it's like, it just needs a jolt of some kind. The power play is absolutely horrendous. I think they had only one power play goal this this past week, and that was against Boston recently. It's just, it's just the only, it's just terrible. I mean, honestly, I I don't know what Mike Yo and, and Michelle Terrian are doing. Thankfully, the penalty kill. So Mike Yo is actually doing a decent job in the penalty kill department. But I mean, the power play, there's nothing you can do about it right now, it seems. Like they just don't, they seem to be struggling dumping it in. They seem to be struggling with controlled entries. Nothing seems to be working. And it actually, again, I teased it earlier. It's going to go into what Scott Hartnell is going to say later in a moment on the NHL network. And it's like, the only thing you can win by is these two, one, three, two games because the goaltending's so good. Martin Jones and Carter Hart are only are going to have to carry you until you have Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis fully healthy. I think. I, I think that's the point we're going to reach here uh, by Christmas, especially. Well, they need to clean something up because they're what they're doing is not working now. And we saw a kind of shades this last year before they really fell off the ladder. I mean, they're. They're not at the bottom of the league, but they're very close. I mean, they're at 32. 15. They're the, the, oh, I'm sorry. Do you say the power play or the penalty kill? The power play. Yeah. The power play is at like 15 and a half percent or something. Yeah. Like they're that. 26 it's in the league. They're 26 yeah. in the league. They're not at the bottom, but they're close to Yes. It, but so. do you have, so do you have the list in front of you right now? Yeah. Yeah. The power play percentage okay, so what, there at 15.38%. The, 
of the 27 through 32 teams, which of those teams are playoff teams right now? Vegas. Okay. So one other team. Um, yeah. Say the so Unders are not playing well. The Unders are so the, the, right below, under the Flyers. Okay. It's the Devils. Yep. Okay. Who they play this week. Who they play Sunday. Thing. Yeah. Montreal, which they bit off to a disastrous start this year. That's what happens when you lose your top goaltender and your top defenseman. Yep. Uh, Arizona. Um, Arizona's Arizona is Arizona's Arizona right now. Vegas, surprisingly, you know, because yep. Vegas is overall a solid team with a lot of offensive punch. I'm surprised they're at 12%, 12.2%. The Islanders at 12.2%, who are really off to a rough start. Yeah. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins, dead last in the league at 11.54%. Wow. So, so I, I that's a lot. That's mostly a lot of those probably game without Crosby till he came back and they don't have Malkin either. So that doesn't help them. So it's like simple to say, okay, this is like, it's not actually, it's not simple to say it's, it, it's, it's, you, you kind of just want to say, oh, well, they're, they're right there with the teams that they have to compete with in the metropolitan and the Islanders, the devils and the, and the Pittsburgh penguins. But at the same time, if they don't get it turned around, they're still not getting to the point where they escalate themselves in a consistent manner. Because if they're dropping points and dropping power play attempts uh, to convert to converting power play attempts, I mean, yeah, they're tied for a wild card spot right now with New Jersey. But by the end of this week, they might be two points out, three points out if if, if all everything goes to hell. Yeah, and you don't want to fall behind. I mean, eight, obviously, when you have eight power play goals and 52 chances, it's not working. Now, we don't need to ask them to be like Edmonton, where they're at 39.62%. No, you're, you're asking them to at least get to the middle of the pack at this point. Get to right. 20% and see what yeah, you Yeah, 20% can do. is about average. I mean, again, Edmonton's at 39.62%. They're in the league. They're at 10% higher than the second-place team, Nashville, 28.89%. Yeah. But the key is – But that's because like, they have the greatest have player on the planet right now in right. Dreisaitl, who's our, arguably the top five player on the planet. So, I mean, he's it's – Yeah. Really 35%. It's ridiculous. He has more – he has more power play uh, point. Has more goals, I believe. That power play goals. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think he has more. Yeah, I believe more points than I think that Arizona has scored goals. Yeah, so, like that's that's saying, insane. It's absurd. L- let me go ahead. But as I was gonna say, like even so, like a team like Nashville who doesn't really have a standout player. Yeah, they're at 28.89 percent. They've cashed in on 13 of 45 power plays. That tells me. Yes, this is something coaching-wise. For whatever reason, I mean, Nashville, just to give you an example, like Nashville's playing decently, but they're fourth in their division. So, I mean, and they have a minus one goal differential, but you're telling me they're cashing in almost 29% of the power play? That's a coaching problem. I mean, it's either Michelle Terrien doesn't have the right strategy by looking at this or something where they're just not, Using their 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 they're not, they're not using, using the right personnel. Correct. Like I think yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what it's coming back to. I think, yeah. Like I don't. I said it a couple weeks ago. I might have been last week. I don't understand Ivan Provorov on the top line, but it seems like it's the default go to guy because Ryan Ellis, who's supposed to be anchoring the top line on your power play, is out injured, and your just natural re- instinction is to say. Ivan Provorov, who's also on our top five-on-five defensive pairing, fits in naturally with that, and he doesn't. And as much as I like Provorov, who's your best defender, in my opinion, correct? he's not your best power play defenseman. Correct. And that's what Michelle – he's trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, it seems, and that's the problem. I need – I really need Michelle Terrian to realize that, and it seems like he just – 
uh, it, it wants to force Provorov on the top line. I mean, let's be real here, though. If you're from, like, from a coaching standpoint, he is overall your best offensive defenseman. I mean, not going to put Risto up there. Sorry. With no. all due respect, he's got a cannon of a shot, but it, it's not what you need there. Sanheim doesn't drive the puck enough offensively. You could have had Phil Myers. You still have him, but you didn't. You didn't. You're expected to have Provorov or even have Ellis with somebody, and then Provorov on your second pairing is another play driver. But Provorov that's the on key. The Ellis is a huge part missing out of this. So it's not like they're not playing with a full deck. Like, they're not playing yeah. with a full deck. Like, we have to take that in consideration. So, yes, as fans, they might be – the fans might be getting this, you know, getting a little impatient. But overall, when you're looking at a coaching standpoint, it's like, you know, you're asking to play, you know, five-card poker with four cards. I guess that's a game. I don't play poker. But I'm saying, you know what I mean? It's trying to play blackjack when you get deal to seven and you're not hitting. Like, you're only going to win a couple hands here and there. Like, you, yeah. you don't have the cards to play the game. And I don't know how many more analogies I can use with cards <laughs> well, and playing the game. I'll go for a fourth one, but I don't have one. But that's the key, too, is that you have to be a little bit patient. They'll work out the kinks. But if, if, if Ellis comes back and they don't improve, then I'm looking straight at the coach and say, yo, yes, fix your stuff. Like, give it a little bit of leeway here. You're not playing at full strength. I, let, let's play Carter or Carter Hart. Let's play uh, what Car, uh, Scott Hartnell had to say, because I thought this was an interesting comment by especially a guy like Carter Hart, who has or keep saying Carter Hart because he's going to mention Carter Hart uh, by a guy like Scott Hartnell, who's on the pregame and postgame show for NBC Philly. So here's what he said uh, on NHL Network earlier today. You knew back in the day, even uh, the 2000s, you knew it was going to be a hard game when you go into Philadelphia. And right now, I just think it's, it's a soft team. Uh, there's no one that's going to hurt you. And I, I'm not talking about punch your lights out and uh, beat your skull. I'm talking about finishing your check, being hard on pucks. Uh, I think the Flyers want to play an easy game. And, and the, the teams that they're playing, they I think they realize that. And they're going to chip pucks in. And they're going to beat you to those pucks because the Flyers guys don't want to go in first because they don't want to get hit. And uh, they lose those battles and then you're playing defense. Uh, the power play for the Flyers has been absolutely awful. They got a goal last game, but uh, just not getting any momentum from those power plays. You, you, know, you get shot after shot and you know puck retrievals and moving the puck around, and it hasn't been there for the Flyers as well. The penalty kill has been a little bit suspect, but the only thing that's basically saving their season thus far is Carter Hart. He's yeah. been unbelievable. He's had a bunch of, probably a couple of his best games. So I don't disagree with what he said about uh, Carter Hart and Martin Jones have been saving this season so far. Like, I, I don't think that's wrong. But to call this team soft, I think is the least of the problems that this team has on its plate right now. I think Scott Hartnell is just trying to look for a nugget to post out there, and it's working because we're talking about it. To call this team soft seems a little, little premature, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, I... We said it when we fought the first game at home when Nate Sealer got in that fight, really got the get the building rocket and get yeah. and this team is tough to play against. I don't soft to me is that you're free to go in there and free to go into the four check and, and chase. Yeah, that was the other it's, thing he said. He said that they're playing an easy game or an easy they're trying to play easy. And I'm I'm trying to figure out what he's watching because, yeah, we're frustrated with how this team is playing, but they're still grinding. You saw I mean, Claude Giroux scored with eight point one seconds left to send the Tampa Bay game to overtime. It's not like they're just laying on their butts and not fighting back when things go uh, wrong. 
No, it just seems like, again, to our point about coaching seems to be the problem right now. Uh, and that can be fixable. Theoretically. I don't know. If, see, and this is where I'm going to kind of contradict myself. I, I, I think they have a bit of a problem coaching wise, but I don't think coach their coaches are the problem. If that makes any sense. I don't think that I can look at and leave and say this year, well, because they're not playing near the bottom of the standards. They're not where they were last year. Right. I think the way they're going about doing their coaching and trying to find the best strategy to go about and executing the power play is what is a problem. I think some of the ways they play the game, I can see why people think this team is soft, but they're, they're playing a defensive game. They know they're not playing with all their chips in, in, in front of them. They can't go all in. They don't have Kevin Hayes. They don't have Ryan Ellis. I don't know how many times I can say that. So when you're playing shorthanded, you have to make adjustments the best way is your team. So you need to play more responsible defensively and play those tighter games defensively and wear teams down defensively and focus on that first and get your chance of offensively and then cash in. You can't play wide open. You can't play a lot of offense or push the pace up ice. You know, I think what Scott Hartnell is kind of referring to here. This back like before John Stevens got fired in 2009. The Flyers didn't were playing had a really good team like this. They had injuries, but they were playing soft, so to speak. They weren't really aggressive on a four check. They really weren't aggressive in playing up front and really generating offense by creating turnovers down low. Peter Laviolette came in and, and changed all that and it became tough offensively. And they were really, really hard to they'd wear you down in the corners in their offensive zone. And that was really why that team did successful because they pushed the pace. They put the puck in there in the offensive zone, and they would just wear you out off defensively, take it back to point cycle, big cannon from Pronger to the point, boom, that's how you get to the final. Now they're playing a little bit differently because they don't have that kind of weaponry on their back end. That You can't ask Ivan Provorov to hammer home a cannon shot every single time and try to get a shot on net and try to get a deflection or something in front. That's not the way they're built. They need to play more responsibly because they're not getting cloned. Uh, they're not getting the clean breakouts. They're trying to you know, force I- it through the neutral zone. Yes, let me stop because, however, I thought they did an excellent job on the rush and the counter rush against Tampa a couple nights ago. Like, I thought that's speed. why they and that's one of the reasons why they jumped out to the two nothing lead. So the, the 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 crux is there for how they can get a good rush and getting through the neutral zone in a uh, compact and tight manner. But it's not consistent. And ironically, the, the best time they look this week was probably against Tampa at home. They, they, they eventually won in the overtime uh, with Cam Atkinson. Or, excuse me, they lost in the shootout. But, I mean, the, the, how they can get the rush going is there. It just seems like they're not doing consistently uh, night in and night out. Because teams will figure it out. Like, it's yeah. that simple, you know. Listen, it's about transition. If you can catch them and then go. But when you're getting pinned down constantly – and you're trying to just get the puck out of your own end for safety reasons. Tampa started to wear them down later on in that game and really push that pace. And when Tampa really gets the legs going and gets churning, it's very hard to get clean breakouts out of your own end because you're trying to force the puck out of the zone. It's not a clean exit. That's when we talk about clean zone exits, like getting control of the puck and moving it cleanly through the neutral zone as quickly as you can into the offensive zone. They're They're not transitioning that well. They just don't have right now the speed for it. And offensively, they're not being creative enough. Teams are just shutting them down, playing physical, and, and they're trying to dump the puck in and trying to generate a forecheck, but it's not working. Teams are retrieving and then cleaning out the other end. So it, it's it's just it's not working right now. It doesn't mean it won't work, but it, it won't work right now. I think I, it, they have to continue trying this. And, yes, you're relying on very good goaltending, and goaltending at some point is going to you know 
have their bluffs. That that goal that Carter Hart gave up against Tampa, that guy, that, that was a tough goal. That was a tough they, goal. They and bailed him out for once. You bailed him out. And actually, that leads to the question that I, I meant to lead off, not lead off with, but when we were talking about the Boston game, got really into that one. Should Carter Hart have started that game? 100%. I, yes. I, I agree with you. I felt like the they saw that they had bagged three out of four points, a nice win against Calgary, a gritty uh, point earned against uh, Tampa Bay. And I felt like they got complacent. Like, I wonder, like, the coaching staff, because obviously it's, the, it's AV's decision on the, the goalie. I don't know. I felt like because they saw Martin, or excuse me, Carter Hart play well two out of two nights there, uh, especially against the defending champs in, in, in Tampa Bay, they were like, let's give, give him a night off. I don't know if they would have won against Boston, but it probably would have been a one or two goal game, not a five, two loss. I, uh, I don't know about that one. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I think defensively the Flyers were a little weak on, uh, on Saturday night against, uh, against Boston. They were weekly. They gave Boston a lot of time and a lot of good looks against Martin Jones. Yeah. I think what frustrated me watching that game is that there was a couple that Martin Jones, eh, you got to have, sorry, you got to have three goals. You should have, yeah. And like, especially because you're also anticipating him to play again on probably Wednesday night. You're probably getting, he's getting one of these. I I haven't heard anything differently, but if you're playing it back to back against Tampa and Florida, Logic tells us based on what Jones AB might does, get one of them. Jones yeah. is going to get one of these. Well, and, 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 and that's why I would have started Carter on Saturday. I agree with you because yes. listen, then you go back to the first goal that Martin Jones gave up guys literally right on front of his doorstep and Martin Jones just goes to a blocking position. I've I talked about before the season started, there's going to be goals that he gives up that frustrates people. That was one of them because yeah. he didn't try to poke check. The guy was literally a foot in front of him. I don't care if the puck came and he had to kick it to his skin. He had, it came to his skate and he had to kick it to his stick. You throw your paddle out there and try to poke check him. You're disrupting the play enough where he can't backhand it over your glove from two feet in. Like that's one at that level you've got to have. Sorry. Like I, 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 that's what frustrates me about that one. The second one. Now, listen, the second goal was a clean shot off of the, uh, I'm sorry. It was, it was the third goal, second or third goal. It mm-hmm. was a clean shot right off the, uh, right off the circle. He had all day long. But yet again, Martin Jones drops into a blocking position, doesn't get his glove high enough or his shoulder up enough, and it goes right past his ear. And then the last one, uh, one of the last ones where a guy came in short side on low glove and went high glove. I, I just, I don't think that some of them, he's got to have those ones. And granted, you can't go in one-on-one on a goalie, basically, and imagine he's going to get past. I think it was, uh, was it Charlie Coyle, uh, Charlie Coyle's goal? It was oh, no, Craig Smith's goal. It was Craig Smith's goal. Craig Smith comes in and just rips it short side. You can't leave up a short side goal from a right-handed shot. You can't do that. That's just you're not doing your job there. So that those are kind of the frustrations that I had with that one. Carter Hart, am I going to put him in that position and think that he may be better? I don't think they still win that game because they didn't do enough defensively to, to not give them good looks. They gave Boston way too many good looks. But Martin Jones could have had a few more considering a guy at his level, how long he's played. Those are the stuff. Those are the pucks you got to stop to give you a chance. So keep chance. Now he's done it in in four of the games this season. He's given him a chance to win. Mm-hmm. He didn't really give his team enough a chance to win that game. Not that he didn't play well. I just don't think he played as well as he needed to play. Let's put it that way. No, and and it it doesn't bode well for the week ahead. That is just another gauntlet. I mean, th- it's three. Or excuse me, it's four games and six nights starting Tuesday night in Tampa. 
Then you go up to Florida or wherever they play. I don't even know where Florida Panthers play. They just call Miami. themselves Miami. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Literally, I had Sunrise. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I had no same. idea. Well, Thought it was in like Fort Lauderdale or some shit. But, but no, no, definitely not. I don't, definitely not Fort Lauderdale. I had no I mean, idea. It's not far from Miami, but it's I mean, not. It's I literally had no idea where the Florida Panthers played until this very moment. Oh my god! I don't That's know. Crazy. It, it, let, it's crazy. It's something see I don't exactly care. where they're at. Yeah. Florida Panthers. I know it's in Sunrise. Uh, let's see, stadium. It is. So uh, it's Sunrise, Florida. Yes. Yeah. It's Sunrise, so, Florida. So this week doesn't get any easier. Then you go after you go back to back with the two Florida teams. You come back up here to play against Carolina, who's going to have a chip on their shoulder after losing to you guys earlier in the season in their building for their second loss of the year. Uh, and then you play the Devils on Sunday in up in in Newark. So it's like, wh- how does this? How do they survive the next couple of weeks starting this week? when you're lacking two of your guys that you're anticipating to be on the offensive side and the power play. I mean, this is not going to get any easier. I keep saying that, but what's your prediction for this week? Well, here's the, here's the issue. Again, they got to go play Tampa again and Tampa, you know, they're, they're playing very well. They're at, at, at home. The record isn't that great. They're five, three and two, which is odd on the road. They're five, one and one. So mm-hmm. if there's a chance you're going to pull out two points, I mean, at some point you've got to be Tampa. At some point it's got to happen. You, you Hopefully you get a game where with all due respect to the guy, no disrespect, this isn't a slate. Hopefully you get a little bit easier of a goaltending matchup and maybe get Brian Elliott in goal. Tell us something tells me that's not going to happen. You're going to have to go against Vasilevsky again. And, it, that's and, even, and you know what? And you know what? Because of how the Flyers luck goes, they would have faced Brian Elliott and he would have been Vasilevsky light. Like he yeah, would have spun probably. on his head, yeah, turned away forty shots. Yeah. They would have lost one nothing in a shoot in a in a shutout, yep. and we would have just stared at the TV, going, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, pretty much. That's one way. That's that's the truth of, of looking at it that way, and it's very possible. I think with that that I, that's a tough game for them to win. Florida, uh, listen, there is very few games they'll say they have zero chance of winning. Florida hasn't lost at home yet. I don't know how you go with a team with a plus 24 differential. You yeah. played them hard last game. Everything's everything's got everything must come to an end. And there's an opportunity there. But that's a very hard game for them to go in and win on a back and, and a second leg of a back to back. That's that's where I will agree. But I mean, you already have things that happen. You have solid wins against Edmonton, Washington, and Carolina, all in their building. You dished Carolina their second loss of the year. You dished Edmonton their first loss of the year. Precedent kind of says that they're going to show up for the Florida game and they're going to show up for the Tampa game. But uh, I, I know I hear what you're saying about this team being undefeated at home. But what the Flyers tell us is they're the wreckers of, of, the, of those records. So yeah. uh, I, I, I think uh, it could be an interesting matchup. And it's certainly not just going to be uh Hopefully not a not a lay down and roll over and hope. No, no, it won't be that. It'll be a dog fight. Don't get me wrong, because the Flyers did play Florida well last time. It just ended up on the opposite side of the score sheet. At the end of the day, it was just one goal differential. Yep. I don't. I don't. It's not that I'm sitting here saying, "Are they going to get blown out by them?" I just. I mean, look, Florida's really good. Like they're just they're just a really good team. The Flyers are just. They're kind of average right now. Average right now. Yep. So I, I just I'm saying I look at that game and say I I 
if it's my money, I'm betting. I'm not betting on the Flyers in that game. Not with that 10 and 10 and 0 home record. No way. Yeah. A plus 24 goal for differential. I, I just that that speaks enough to me the way the Flyers have been consistent. They played offensively. It just you might just not get enough on the score sheet. You might we might lose the game like four or two. It might be like tight and then they get an empty netter or something along those lines. But I'm not talking about getting blown out or be embarrassed, but Florida is a good team. And then you have Carolina, the game I'm probably going to this week. So um, at home on Black Friday, I haven't been to a game yet this season. I've never been to the Black Friday matinee, and I'm nice. looking forward to that. So nice. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if they eke out a point or two this week, it's probably going to be that game. Just home after a short road trip, day after Thanksgiving, you know, Carolina. Carolina's tops in the division, and they're also the same thing with your plus 24 and goal differential. Yep. But for whatever reason, this Flyers team is not – I mean, think about it, 1920. They swept – I think they lost one game in overtime to them the whole season. For whatever reason, they they play Carolina tough. I think they can eke out a winner – a point or two here. I wouldn't be surprised. Um on the road, Carolina. I mean, Carolina has two losses on the year. One of them is to the Flyers. They have two yeah. losses in the year. They're six yeah. and one That's on what the I mean. road at home and, and, and eight and one on the road. If they're going to get points this week, I'm going to say, I'm going to let them say they'll get two points this week. If six available, they're going to get two of them. I say, three. if they come out uh, with yeah. three or four points, I'll be extremely impressed. I just, I don't see it. This is a really tough couple of games here. And I don't see it. And then Jersey. Jersey's had the Flyers numbers for the past couple of seasons. I just, yeah. for whatever reason, they, they've won some games against them, but they just, for whatever reason, they just can't, they can't get over on this team. Jersey's been always been that thorn in their side for whatever yeah. reason. They're not playing terrible. Uh, you know, they're right behind the Flyers neck and neck, but that could be a tough game for them, especially with, you know, a Lindy Ruff coach team. Um, I, I, I'd say they might get a couple they might get a point or two out of the Carolina game or maybe maybe two points maybe three points at the max against Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. Yeah. I think one yeah. win there. If they don't pull two points out of Jersey, that's going to be a big problem because you'll have eight points on the board at that point. If you're picking up two, you're going to run into an issue. If you're only picking up two against uh, against against Yeah, Tampa. that's that's you, where you I land. Four. You need you need four five this week. I I'm so I I I I don't see them winning tomorrow night on Tuesday night against Tampa Bay. Like no matter who the goalie is, I I, I think they get maybe three points. I think they, I think that again, I, to my point about the, the, them being wreckers at uh, having a good to show up against these good teams at home in Edmonton, Carolina and Washington. I think they show up against the Florida Panthers in Miami, which I just learned, but so it's like sunrise. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things. I think they could be, pull out two points, especially because they also don't forget. They kind of have Bob's number in a way. Like I, I they, they know oh, it's the other way around. Bob has their oh, number. I'm missing. Bob, the, okay. uh, Bob, Bob always beats the flyers. I think they've beaten Bob once or twice. Since he's really? Oh, it's been bad. Well, again, maybe they're just due. So give me, so I'll go three points because I think I, I think Jersey still has their number. I think it's their first matchup against Jersey this season, too, if right. I'm not mistaken. Correct. So I think Jersey's going to win that game. They'll eke out a point against Carolina at home on the Black Friday game, and they'll get two points against Florida. That's how I see this. It, it, there's, and then you hope. Three point week. You hope that someone is okay. You don't want to rush these guys back, but if someone says they are in the clear by in. I don't even know. Like, I guess the second week of December, 
like I, I don't even Probably know. Looking at holidays, like Christmas at this point, I would say January. They've yeah, got to have Ellis yeah. and, and and Hayes back by January. They've I mean, we, put, we did say just shut them down and just hope that they get healthy. And you hope that they're not out so long where these holding because it feels like the team is just holding on for dear, not dear life, but they're holding on. Uh, they're to keeping a their spot. heads above water. They're keeping exactly. their heads above water. And as long as honestly, they, can... they they need that more than anything right now. You don't yeah. need them to go out and get eight points. If they go out and get eight points this week, there's gonna be some cowboys singing in the sky. Because I'm telling you, I'll be freaking <laughs> out. There's gonna be cowboys singing in the sky when this team gets a four game win streak on their schedule. Well, I keep just an don't eye see out. it happening. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out for that on our Twitter and Facebook pages at Orange and Backcheck. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, if we can get some singing cowboys at eight yeah. out of eight points. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll think of something I can do uh, on next week's podcast when, when if they score eight points, I'll, I'll think of something. Call uh, me out. Call me out for being a pessimist. I just again, <laughs> I, well, I, we're both I being see, pessimists right now. Well, no, I think we're not being pessimistic. I think we're being realistic. I mean, this yes. is a tough schedule for this team who's average. Like they're playing the, some of the they're playing three of the best teams in the league this yeah. week alone. Okay, yeah. you're out of four games, and the other wild card team, team to with boot. The, Right, and one of the teams is, is on their on their level. The, the other teams are not on their level. They're much, much better. So yeah. you you could very well come out of this week, <laughs> hopefully not zero points, but it's very possible this team can come out one or two points this week. I'm I, hoping I, that's more likely than is seven or eight. That's right. For sure. I, I, I would feel comfortable if they can keep 50% and keep four. If they get yeah. four points, I'm okay with that. Five points would be a, a great, and then eight – Again, Cowboys singing in the sky, man. That's exactly they, what's that, that, that's the that'd be the feeling there. They always say sports are relative to the context of what you do. Three out of six points doesn't sound as good as four out of eight points. So, like Correct. if we're talking about the fifty percent uh, rule, four points out of eight points sounds a lot better than three out of six. So yep. hopefully they hold on to that. Yep. Uh, that is going to do it for episode ninety three of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are subscribed to our. Twitter page, Facebook page, Instagram page. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast that you're now listening to, I don't know why you haven't. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get every episode right when it's released. Uh, give us a five-star review and uh, shoot us an email, orangeatbackcheck at gmail.com. Well, maybe we'll answer it on next week's episode. And uh, just keep your head, head above water, boys. Head above water. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Facebook.com slash Kelly Bakes Cookie.